0: You may have a seat. And again, I just want to say thank you for coming this morning. I'm glad that you're here. I uh, wanted to uh, recap a couple of things. Uh, it's been a uh, busy few weeks here in Shelby. Uh, Pastor Mike got to preach two weeks ago, and I got to listen to that sermon while I was... Uh, actually, I listened to it after I got back from the beach, but I enjoyed sitting in a chair in front of the ocean with no responsibility. Have you ever had that like feeling of, I don't, Josh just got back from the beach. I don't have to do anything, and man, that was really refreshing. So thank you for uh, blessing my family to go on vacation. And then last Sunday, we had a community uh, service day, Stand for Shelby. Uh, we saw over 200 people from various churches come together and tackle a bunch of work projects throughout our community. And uh, yeah, I got to take all kinds of pictures, and they were awesome pictures. Uh, but the flash drive is with uh, another church right now, and they're making a video, and they're not done yet. So I can't show you the amazing pictures and all of the things that happened, but thank you for serving your community last week. It's hard to say we're not going to come to church on a Sunday because we want to be the church. It's hard to step out of that routine of, but this is is what I want. I, I, I feel connected here as we are created to be in a relationship, and God has placed us in this community, and one Sunday a year, I am honored to partner with other people and say, let's bless the people that we live with. And so we, uh, we did that last week. A number of folks were lining downtown Shelby, doing painting and window washing. We had some projects and some miscommunication. Hey, if a work project says water line repair, make sure you understand that it might mean septic line repair instead of water line. Yeah, thank you for that team who did that. Um, I'm glad it wasn't me. Um, Anyway, we we had a a great time. I wanted to take a few minutes to kind of recap a few things, Uh, and I'm putting this over here for a reason. You'll find out in a moment. Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through the book of Mark, and we've asked the question, who is Jesus in this series? And as we've looked through those various responses, what Mark was intending to communicate, uh, we, we tackled some very heavy subjects. Last uh, time I was preaching, we preached through a two-part series on Jesus, the one who casts out demons. I've had a number of questions from uh, a number of you over the last couple of weeks of, what does this mean in my life? How do I how do I know if I'm under spiritual attack? How do I know if this is just me or or what's going on? How do I deal with generational curses i don't know i feel so lost and confused again you're in a good place because that is a place you could either do one of two things say i don't want to understand i'll back out and just say i'm happy with my life or you can say god i want to pursue i want to press in and i want to be free and so i had asked someone to come and share a story uh this morning and that person I don't think it's a coincidence, is is at home very ill this morning. Um, And so I'm not going to share his story, but I am going to share this, that there is uh, something that I'm going to invite you into. If you have found yourself in a cycle of sin, or you found yourself not having authority over specific issues in your life, um, temptations, uh, addictions, anything of that nature, then I invite you to, to give me a call and say, hey, Pastor, I'd like to meet with you or with Pastor Mike, or with one of uh, the elders of the church. Uh, Neil Anderson wrote a book a number of years ago, uh, and I read the teen version when I was in high school. The teen is called Stomping Out the Darkness. The adult version is Victory Over Darkness, where he talks at length about the access points that the enemy has in our lives, and reclaiming that ground. If you remember, I'm a visual person, and so I, I shared this whole illustration of when we sin, we're literally opening the door and saying, hey, you, you have access into my life. Uh, no, I don't want Satan's involvement in my life, but I want this sin. And until I, I close the door on this sin, I've allowed the enemy access. And so this, this book, Victory Over Darkness, talks about access points and how we close those doors. And in turn, he created a, um, Neil Anderson wrote this, uh, it's, it's a little packet, it's a little workbook. Of how do you walk through this through prayer? And it's called uh, Steps to Freedom. And I've led a few of you through this Steps to Freedom packet over the years. And the story that I was going to have my friend share was what it meant for him and how walking through the Steps to Freedom has created a new trajectory uh, for he and his family. It's not an easy thing to do, to sit down with someone and say, I'm going to do an assessment of my life, and I'm going to do it with you, and we're going to walk in the light as he is in the light together. And it's literally a, an assessment of, are there any areas in my life that I've opened the door? I want to close it now in Jesus' name. Sexual immorality, addictions, uh, gossip, pride, financial greed. I mean, it goes through this long list. And I would invite you into this because I don't want any one of you to be in bondage anymore. I want you to experience the freedom in Christ that the Bible tells us we have access to. And so I just want you to keep that in the back of your mind. If that's something that you would be interested in pursuing, uh, there are people that would love to walk through that with you. So I'm going to switch gears, and we're going to talk about the next part of our series in the Gospel of Mark. But before we do, I want you to raise your hand if you've ever seen someone do a trust fall. Anybody? Okay. And now, I did not prep anyone, and so this is going to be a little exercise in trust, but I'm going to ask Eric Will, can I borrow you? <laughs> All right, so um, Eric, he's a pretty big guy, and I figured if I, if I drop him, that he'll bounce back, because he's, he's got this. Um, so Eric, I'm going to ask you to put on this blindfold for me. <laughs> oh, it's stretchy. It'll work. It worked. All right, now make sure you can't see below your nose right there. And, and uh, Eric, we're gonna we're gonna do this together. Go ahead and give everybody a look and a wave. <laughs> so, Eric, I'm gonna have you turn and uh, face this direction. Nope, no, no, not too far. Right there. There we go, just like that. <clears throat> and I'm going to attempt to catch you. I said attempt. I will catch you, Eric. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> All right, so on the count, of, he has You got this. So on the count of three, uh, I'm going to ask you to fall, and I will catch you. Are you ready? So I'm going to have everyone out there count because I cannot have the microphone by my mouth. Ready? Go ahead. Oh, no, stay right there. Don't take that off. Take that up. Stay right there. Fifty percent trust. All right, so turn, turn and face that same direction again. Uh, I'm going to ask you to put your arms out, but um, not yet. Hold on one second. So, Eric, I'm going to ask you to do the exact same thing. No. I'm going to have you put your arms out, and on the count of three, I'm going to have you fall back. Are you ready? All right, if you guys are with me, ready? One, two Three. (laughs) Eric, do you trust me? All right. We'll we'll try this again on the count of three. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Quit looking at me. (laughs) Ready? One, two, three. There we go. Okay, okay. Give him a round of applause. Eric, you can have a seat. You are the man. I appreciate you. All right, so um, I want to show you a video of how this could have gone if there was misunderstanding. All right, so go ahead and uh, show this video. I hope the audio is ready. Oh, I don't have my clicker. All you need to do is hit the the next button. It should come right up. Fall, and we'll just, it'll be an exercise in building trust uh, between one another. So Harrison, if you don't mind going first, uh, step up here on this chair and close your eyes. All right, and then everybody fill in. And we're gonna ask you to fall, and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. So I'm gonna count to three. Just relax and fall. Okay? One, two, three. No way! No! no. <laughs> Do you understand? that is one of the most important questions that someone could ever ask eric i'm glad you trust me (laughs) so that that video paints a picture that i think mark in his gospel was painting as well uh over and over and over and over and over again mark highlights the fact that the disciples didn't get it he highlights that reality if you, if you uh, are joining us for the first time in a while, we've uh, been going through the book of Mark, and I have encouraged you guys to read through it. And I was sharing with somebody this week, this is, this is what I've done. I've kind of made a little uh, glossary or, or whatever, uh, a little key up here. Anything that I've highlighted in blue is a power encounter. Anything that I've highlighted in purple is uh, Jesus teaching with authority. Anything I highlighted in yellow is Jesus healing the sick. And anything I highlighted in orange is an instance where the disciples didn't get it. And so what I want to do this morning is, again, I've kind of walked through this series uh, with you. We've looked at a number of different things. Who is Jesus? Uh, What does Mark want us to understand? He's the one who is empowered by the Holy Spirit, the one who cast out demons, the one who heals the sick, the one who uh, does the miraculous, the one who teaches with authority. And again, this week, we're going to look at the one the disciples misunderstood. And so let's Take a dive into the Book of Mark, and we are going to look at all of these instances. I'm going to break them up into three different sections. Now, some of you may be going, okay, what does this mean for me? This can be very redundant, looking at these things and and looking at the book as a whole document as opposed to going through verse by verse. I love exegetical preaching. I love unpacking what small sections of Scripture mean. This is more of a topical series where we're looking at the big picture, and so here we go. Mark in chapter 4, we see the parable of the sower. Does anybody off the top of your head? I'm not going to call on you, but raise your hand if you're familiar with that parable. Jesus, he's got uh, this story that he tells about the, the, the farmer, if you will. He's got seed that he casts out, and he talks about the different ground upon which the seed falls. And some is on rocky soil, some is on uh, weed-infested soil, some is on a path that has hard soil and other falls Other seeds fall on good soil. And so he tells this parable, and the disciples, he asks, don't you understand what I just said? Do you understand what I'm talking about? And basically they're like, we don't get it. What does that mean? And Jesus' response is, how will you understand any parable if you can't even understand this one? Again, we'll unpack these here in just a few minutes. The next is in Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. This is where Jesus calms the storm. So the disciples are on a boat, and the storm is coming, and Jesus tells the wind and the waves to be still. And the disciples, their response to that was fear. Jesus said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The disciples, they didn't understand. It goes on to say, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 23, Jesus is talking about uh, clean and unclean food. After the disciples asked him about a parable that he said, Jesus' response was, are you so dull? If Jesus ever has to say that to you, the answer is probably yes. I, I just, I don't understand. I don't get it. Here's a fun one in Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. This is when Jesus fed the 4,000. Now, you need to understand that he has already fed the 5,000 in a, a section earlier. And so here's Jesus, and they've got all these people, and the disciples look at each other, and they even look in Jesus, and they say, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed all of them? They had already forgotten that Jesus has the ability to multiply exponentially. They didn't get it. And the last one in this section is Mark 8, verses 14 through 21. Uh, Here's a fun one. Jesus is walking with his disciples, and uh, Jesus says to beware the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And the disciples stop, and they look at each other, and they're like, he's mad at us. We forgot to bring the bread. He, I, he, he's upset. Jesus' response was, do you still not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? Do you still not understand? In this section, in these uh, chapters 1 through 8, it's here that Mark highlights that the disciples did not understand Jesus' identity. It's amazing. I love it. They were asking the question, who is this man? We see that in Mark 4. Who is he that even the wind and the waves obey him? Why would they ask that question? Well, I need you to understand something. Jesus, in Mark's gospel, just bursts onto the scene. Out of nowhere, there he is. John says, uh, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I baptize with water. In this day and age, a rabbi was one of the most respected people in the community. Jesus, for all intents and purposes, is relatively unknown. He is a rabbi, but he does not have any disciples. He does not have any followers. He had not even begun his earthly ministry at this time in Mark chapter 1 when we see the calling of the first disciples. He had not done anything from Mark's perspective miraculous yet. Again, we know in the other Gospels he turned the water into wine and other things. But at this point in Mark's Gospel, he hadn't done anything miraculous. So why would Simon later called Peter and Andrew, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, stop everything that they're doing and follow Jesus when he said, hey, you're fishing, you're fishing for food, come with me and I'll make you fishers of men. Why would they drop everything and follow him? This is key to understanding why the disciples didn't get it. So I shared this a number of years ago, um, and and there was a a number of commentators that have have walked through this historical process, but most uh, agree that there was a Desire in most Jewish boys to become a rabbi. And we can equate it to, hey, you know, I want to play pro-football. Not everybody wants to play pro-football, but generally speaking, most Jewish boys wanted to become a rabbi. And in their youth, almost all Jewish boys were sent to the synagogue to learn the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so there were typically three stages in their learning. In the first stage, this began about five years old till they were ten, they memorized the first five books of the Bible. Some of you who have done Bible quizzing or even in Awana, you understand Bible verse memorization. It's a hard thing. By ten years old, they had memorized verbatim those five books. That was a big deal. And so After they've memorized these books and they're 10 years old, they are questioned to see if their knowledge is good enough for them to move on to the next level of learning and rabbinical education. If they were good enough, they moved on to stage 2. Stage 2 was from about ages 10 to 14. During this time, the student would continue not just memorizing the first five books of the Bible, but also Psalms, and the works of the prophets and the rest of the Hebrew scriptures, the entire Old Testament, and probably more than what we have in our canon in our Old Testament this day. And so it wasn't just learning. They would be involved in this dialogue with their rabbi. Why? Because the rabbi would teach them. And so you'd have the rabbi asking some very specific questions. But their response was never going to be the specific answer. That wasn't good enough. I need to know that you understand more than just you can spit back the information. I am a horrible test taker. I mean, I would cram for hours before a test just so I could spit back the information. And most of that information, when I was growing up, never stayed with me. Because some of you are like, yeah, <laughs> me too. OK. so. Understand that just being able to spit back information isn't important, but understanding how to wrestle with that is. So if a rabbi would ask his, uh, his student, what's 2 plus 2? Well, you know, the answer is 4. Well, the student would respond with a question instead of an answer. What is the square root of 16? It's the same answer, but he's wrestled with the information. And he's taken it to another level. And so this, this call and response these questions was uh, they were a part of normal Jewish education. And so when we see Jesus in the temple in Luke chapter 2 when he's 12 years old, this is what he's doing with the teachers of the law. They're asking him questions, and everyone is saying we are blown away at his knowledge and understanding. And I can only imagine what his responses were like. And so understand, if a student at 14 years old, they've memorized the entire Old Testament, They've, they've wrestled with it. They can dialogue with their elders about this material. If they were found good enough, then they were invited into the third stage. In this third stage, only the best of the best were qualified. And here, they would go into the oral law, the traditions, the understanding of, of all of the things that have been said by the, the wise people Men of Israel through the decades, not just memorizing scripture, but memorizing what was said about scripture, the commentaries. Each rabbi, again, would have their own interpretation of what the law, the laws, the 613 commands of Moses meant. And so if you were to take on your rabbi's teaching, it was literally, the, the, the way they would translate this is you would take their yoke upon yourself, and so you would carry a the teaching of your rabbi, and so you needed to be a student of the scripture, but you also needed to be a student of your rabbi's interpretation. And so here we go. You're 14 years old. You're 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 in this this top level. You are the best of the best. You've memorized scripture. You you know and you understand your rabbi's interpretation. In that group, if you were the cream of that crop, then the rabbi would. His, And at that time, the boy would leave everything, home, mother, father, friends, family, job, career, aspirations, dreams. He would leave everything because he knew I am his disciple and I will become a rabbi. That was their dream. Now, if at any point in this process you were not found worthy, you weren't found good enough, you didn't make the cut, the rabbi might say to you as the student, Well, obviously, you've done a good job of memorizing, but you don't have what it takes to be just like me. And they would say, and I I wish I knew the Jewish translation, go and make babies and pray that they become rabbis. That's what they would say. But at the same time, go and fly your trade. Do something to make money, but it's not going to be as my disciple. And so I imagine that that person would leave the family business, and their family would be excited because they were chosen. And so here we come into Mark's account of the disciples. And in, in chapter 1, literally after we see uh, Jesus being baptized by John, Jesus going out into the wilderness, being tempted, we see the call of the disciples. The first four, we see uh, Simon, uh, who would be called Peter. Uh, I'm going to get it all mixed up in my head. Andrew, James, and John. We see this taking place.
1: Why in the
0: world would they drop everything? my picture of Mm-hmm. No. All right, so not on my watch. There we go. Oh. Thank you, Lynette. Uh, and so he's coming from a place of honesty and, and, and courage. And, man, I, I, I care about you. But Jesus says, you don't understand why I'm here. You don't understand my purpose. Get behind me, Satan, because if I listen to that voice, I will not be fulfilling the will of my Father. Mark chapter 9, 2 through 6, this is the transfiguration with Moses and Elijah. This is another one of those funny, comical things like Mark had to add this because for whatever reason, this, I imagine, made him laugh. You see Jesus standing on this mountain, and all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear, and the disciples are like, what's going on? And so they say, I know, I know what we'll do. Let's go, let's go make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know or they did not know what to say because they were so afraid. And as soon as Moses and Elijah appeared, they were gone, and the disciples were left going, what just happened? We don't understand. Moving on in verses 30 through 32, Jesus predicts his betrayal, basically saying one of you is going to betray me. And Instead of dialoguing about this, they just looked at each other and put their heads down. They did not understand what he meant and they were afraid to ask him about it. That next section, we see the disciples arguing about who is the greatest. I'm better than you. No, no, I'm better than you. Jesus asked what they were arguing about, but they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was greater. Again, their focus, was not on Jesus' mission. They didn't understand. In chapter 10, 13 through 16, we see the little children are coming to Jesus, and and the disciples rebuke them, saying, no, 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 no. This is not happening. We're not getting snot on this guy's robes. And Jesus turns and says, excuse me? No, this is not what I want. I want them to come. Let them come. And it says he was indignant with his disciples. And finally, in this section, we see uh, the request of James and John. Basically, hey, Jesus, when, um, when all this stuff happens that you say is going to happen, can we sit next to you? I'll sit on one side, and he'll sit on the other. Is that cool? Because we know we're the best. And Jesus he says, you, you don't even know what you are asking. So it's in this section that Mark highlights that the disciples did not understand jesus's mission they were so wrapped up and focused on what they could see i imagine at some point they bought into what others were saying if this guy is the messiah then he's going to come and save us now remember when jesus came into the city of jerusalem people shouted hosanna which meant save now they had no understanding of his true mission they just saw what was in it for them And again, I'm not knocking the disciples. I'm just telling you how Mark paints this picture. That they didn't understand who Jesus was. They didn't understand his mission fully. And they missed it time and time again. This last section, there's only two verses that I'm going to share with you, two sections here. In Mark 14, verses 4 through 8, we see Jesus is anointed with expensive perfume. And we see the disciples in, in Mark's account. He attributes, attributes this to all the disciples. In other gospel accounts, they say it was Judas that was upset. But they said, hey, dude, she just wasted a year's worth of, of money by pouring this out on your feet. What? We could have fed so many people with that, Jesus. We could have bought so much bread. Man, I could make more. Do you understand they didn't understand what it meant to have the Messiah in their presence. And he rebuked them harshly and said, Leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing. And this last section is where Peter disowns Jesus. Mark makes it a point. There there are 16 chapters in Mark. 16 or 17. My goodness, 16 chapters in Mark. And in Mark chapter 14, verse 50, this is when Jesus is betrayed. It says all of the disciples flee. And outside of Peter, who he gives this last chunk of verses in Mark 14, they're gone. They're not mentioned again. We see Peter here. He disowns Jesus. If you remember, Jesus had that conversation with Peter. Said, "Hey, before the crow, uh, the rooster crows, you will disown me," and multiple times. And Peter's like, "No, it's not going to happen." And we see the very thing that he said wouldn't happen did. At least Peter still followed Jesus, right? Well, the disciples after chapter 14 are not mentioned again in Mark's account. Isn't that interesting? In this small section, Mark highlights that the disciples didn't understand the eternal significance of Jesus' life and death. And I argue this because Mark, is he's, he's got a literary purpose. I'm not an English major. I am not a lit major. But if you read the book of Mark from a literature perspective, a literary viewpoint, a literary lens, he is leading the readers to draw a conclusion. And I believe that it goes back to that parable of the sower. What kind of soil are the disciples? And ultimately, what kind of soil will you be? The disciples, the ones who walked daily with Jesus, they didn't get it until after the resurrection. In Mark's gospel, there's that, that last chunk of verses and there's that little hyphen that says most early manuscripts do not include these few passages at the end of Mark. I believe Mark's gospel ended right before that. And, and they tell the story, excuse me, you know, you, Matthew and, and Luke and John, they, they have more information. And so I believe that other people added it because it didn't feel complete. How could you end it with the, the, the women who went to see Jesus left in astonishment he didn't even say that they went and talked to the disciples. They just left. Mark's purpose was to get you to ask that same question. Do I understand Jesus? Okay, when I look at Mark through that lens, it kind of changes things. And so I want to ask you that question, and I am going to give you a response here in a second. Do you understand who Jesus is? Now, you could say, well, pastor, you've told us that we'll never fully understand God and and Jesus in, in their glory until we get into heaven. That's true. Are you then moving towards understanding? Here's my point that I want you to take home. Grow in your knowledge of God. Do I mean study more? In part? Do I mean take this book and actually open it up from time to time? Yeah. What does it look like for you to have your nourishment come from God's word? Put down your phone. Put down your, your video game controller. Put down your bank account information. Put down your email Stop being distracted by the things of the world and grow in your knowledge of who God is. Because if you and I are going to continue to jump into the pool and all that junk is going to come to the surface, we've got to know how to deal with it. We've got to know who He is so we can know who we are meant to be. Grow in your knowledge of God. Next you understand. Oh, here's a fun one. His mission here and now. The disciples didn't. And so they continued to operate, as Mark highlights, in, in, in a methodology of, well, I'm, I'm a disciple, and I'm going to take on my teacher's teaching, my rabbi's teaching. I don't know what it means, but I'm going to do the things that he's telling me to do. And so they were able to cast out demons. They were able to pray for healing, and people were healed. But they didn't understand the purpose behind it. All they could see was the here and now. They didn't understand that Jesus had this power and authority to reveal to the world that he was the Messiah. That he can do the things that he said he can do. That he can forgive sins. That he can heal the sick. That he will come back. Do you understand his mission here and now? What do I mean by that? For you personal. I'll throw out some words to you. Life calling. Your direction, your life's purpose? Do you know why you are here? And so I want to challenge you to seek his purpose for your life. Do you know that the job you have or the house in which you live in, that the decisions of your everyday life, they all have purpose and meaning. And sometimes we pursue these things because it fulfills our desires more than his purpose. What if God wants you to change your career? Think about this. I know some of you who've gone through that process, and it has been scary. A friend of mine, he was a a chemist. He was an elder in my first church when I was a youth pastor. And uh, Fred Herndon, he was a chemist, and, and his job was, was moving, and he's like, I'm not going to move. And so he goes, God, what am I going to do? I'm really good at what I do, but I want to honor you with my life, and you've told us to stay right where we are. He went back to school and became a, a registered nurse. If he's chasing dollars, he's like, man, I'm going to make six figures over here. If he was chasing comfort, man, I move out of little Greensboro, North Carolina and move to, you know, Orlando, Florida. He had all these options available to him, but he wanted to seek God's purpose for his life. If you have never asked God that question, what is my purpose? Why am I here? What do you want from me? Not just ten years from now, but today. Maybe your focus is on the wrong person. Instead of looking in the mirror, maybe it's it's time to start looking up. God has plans for your life, and they are good, and they are for your benefit and for his kingdom and his glory. Man, I don't want to look around the room and say, hey, it's time for some of you to move. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying it's time for you to ask the question, is it about my comfort or about his purpose? And I have no clue what some of you are carrying as you come in here. And if you ever feel like, Pastor, quit talking to me during your sermons. I'm not. That's the Holy Spirit. Because he desires for you to know who he is and to know his purpose in your life. And finally, in this, do you understand that what happens here has eternal ramifications? The disciples... The the men who walked with Jesus daily, they were not able to see it. They were not able to see him for who he was until after he died. They were not able to see how the the decisions that they made would impact all of eternity. So what's what's the weight? What is the cost? It's big. And you and I may not know the, the effect that we have on the lives of those around us until we get to heaven. I share with people, man, I love, I was talking to the elders this morning about calling and purpose. go, you know, man, nobody wants to be Jeremiah. I mean, we all love Jeremiah, but nobody wants to be him. The guy who was told, I want you to tell the people of Jerusalem and Israel for 40 years that they're going to be destroyed. No one's going to want to hear that. I know, but they need to. Okay, so hey, guys, guess what? This is going to happen. Kill that guy. Shut your mouth. We don't want to hear that. Did you think if he had a church service that anybody came? No. But we, he did not know the impact of what he did until he got to heaven because in heaven he can see how his words, his life, his purpose had an eternal impact. If we just get stuck living for ourselves and living for what we can see, we will miss out on what God wants to do through us. I think about Billy Graham. Great guy. What about the guy who led him to Christ? A relative Nobody for all intents and purposes. Your impact is eternal. Are the decisions that you are making for today, or are they for eternity? And so I invite you to live for eternity, not just for today. And so if you are going to remember anything from today, it's these simple words, grow, seek, and live. Grow in the knowledge of your God. Don't settle for less than what he has for you. Seek his purpose for your life. And I mean this with all honesty. I would rather see you fulfilling God's purpose in your life in another town, another state, another city, another country, than you staying comfortable here in Shelby Alliance. No matter how much we love you and we do, go and do what God has called you to. Be the person, be the man, be the woman that God has called you to be. If it scares the tar out of you, great, because then you're not relying on your own strength. I talked to a, I had drill this week, and then I talked to a soldier. and He goes, hey, these are my plans. And he's a chaplain. And he goes, this is exactly what was supposed to happen. I had everything figured out, and then God changed it. And I was so mad at him. But he goes, in my prayer time, I realized everything that I had planned, I could do without him. And so, yeah, I needed him to turn everything upside down so that I would trust him. Some of you, let me say it this way, because I don't ever want to say, you guys, y'all need to get this figured out. You guys are all messed up. Some of us, I'm putting myself in this, we've been living comfortably in the name of Jesus when in all reality we're, we're not living Our purpose that He's called us to. Be bold. Take risks for the kingdom of God. Step out of your comfort zone. Do the things that God has called you to do. And then you can live for eternity, not just for today. I'm going to have Katie come up. She's going to play some background music. I'm going to invite us into communion. But I want you to understand over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be preparing for Missions Conference. And as we prepare for missions conference, the Coles are coming, um, and I am so excited. They are missionaries in Germany. Uh, we had Caleb and Aaron come about five years ago, maybe a little less than that, and share about God's calling on their life to the mission field. And if you remember when they came, some of you were like, five years ago, I wasn't even here. Five. Great, let me tell you their story real quick. They came, and, and, and they were getting ready to go to Tajikistan. They had already studied Tajik. The language, whatever that was, I think that's what it was. They were studying this language, and they were ready to go. They were so excited. And then all of a sudden, Caleb got diagnosed with uh, diabetes. And the alliance said, they don't have the proper medical care for you in Tajikistan. We need to send you somewhere else. But I've been learning the language. We're ready to go. Sorry. And so for the last three or four years, they've been serving in Germany as missionaries. God took a plan and said, hey, guess what? We're doing this instead for my glory and for your benefit. And so I can't wait for them to come and share about all of the things that they've seen God do in a place that they were not planning on going. But God knew all along that's where he would have them. They've got four kids. They don't have any family in Germany. We as a church have adopted their kids, and so we send them um, We send them gifts in the way of we, we give money to... Uh, Aaron's mom, and a mom uh, buys gifts on Amazon in Germany, and then they receive them. So we've been supporting them for years. So when when Mike talked about having this birthday party, this is a big deal. They don't know about this. We want to bless the tar out of their children because they have been living a life that's been difficult. I, I, I hope they share some of their stories. It's been hard, but it's been good. And so if you would consider just dropping a few... Change some money off, you know, buy some gifts, whatever. We just want to bless them. Oh. And you know what? I want God's blessing on you. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Katie is just going to play, and I'm going to invite you to come and take communion. The bread it represents the body of Christ that was broken.